You're listening to Goat Rodeo. Keep an ear out for us. I'm Morgan Gibbons, a storyteller and performer in Washington, D.C. Every two weeks, I'm going to bring you a story that explores the countless moments and connections we all share. Moments that might not fit who we are, who we believe ourselves to be, or where we think we're going. These stories will last no more than 15 minutes, and our story this week is called Hands. I cupped my hands, brought them to my mouth and blew a steady stream of warm air over them, slapped them roughly together before letting them drop, cursing myself for having forgotten my gloves. I could picture exactly where they were, hanging haphazardly off my granite countertop, useless in the warmth of my home. The wind blew fiercely across the parking lot, a cold that left me breathless. Images of ice spreading across my lungs, crystallized lattices of pain flitted briefly across my mind as I cast my eyes to the heavy burdened clouds that hung low in the sky, their frozen fruit falling steadily from them, clinging momentarily to my eyelashes, disappearing as I blinked. I fumbled in my pocket for the key to the squad car, climbed awkwardly inside moments later. 2021. Respond to MacArthur Boulevard for shots fired. I had barely started the ignition when the dispatcher's voice rang out within the car, and after a moment's hesitation, I sprang into action. My heart jumping, lurching within my chest, and yet my voice slipped from me smoothly, devoid of emotion while my body went through the familiar motions. Trained into action even when my mind failed, tempered by limited experience, responding to the voices of veteran officers. There were sides before I began daily patrol, the secrets that would have revealed themselves to me in time, secrets they had shared with me early and often, their hands on my shoulders, fist bumps in passing. I reached for the radio, heard the familiar chime as the signal went through, clearing the air. 2021 en route. What's the lookout, ma'am? Three Hispanic males, average height, medium build. Her voice came back clipped, short, all business, and I wondered for just a moment if that was how she dealt with her job. How she handled moving us around the digital city landscape that spread its criminal bounty before her. If the only way was to shut down emotion, render her own humanity temporarily obsolete, render mine obsolete, too. How else could a person do it? Day in and day out, sending others to calls from which they may not return, sending us to calls where an innocent citizen could die. I need a unit to back up 2021. Her words were whipped away by the stinging wind that flooded my car, windows down so I could hear sirens screeching, lights flashing, my mind turning over and over the thought of shots being fired here being fired now. Then I saw them, ashamed that they were so easily visible, knowing this was only so because the wealthiest of people lived in this part of town, 
their luxury cars parked on every block. The ease with which they moved through the world evident in the smooth and unworried faces of the people who dined in the overpriced restaurants. The condescension evident on their features whenever they saw me, their smiles twisting, twitching, before settling into strained amusement, never able to box me up quite the way they would like. The badge I wore blinding them temporarily, but not for long, because people with skin like mine, dark and filled with a history they would rather ignore did not live near them, did not walk the same streets they so breezily walked. People who looked like the three men who stared up at me as I slammed the car into park, eyes wide with shock, trepidation, running over with fear until I felt that terror settle in the pit of my stomach. Men like that did not live near them either. They and I, we were outsiders to them. Danger to what they saw as their right. And so I had been called. And now the four of us stood, facing off as the wind whipped around us. The snowfall grew heavier, settling on our shoulders, tickling our noses, our ears. But we did not move. What? What did we do? His voice trembled, the foundation of confidence he may have had only moments before splitting, faltering before me, and I knew he saw the chasm, the gaping maw that began opening before him, ready to swallow him up like so many others, disappear him into an ever-growing list of names, hashtags, and lost possibilities. The sirens of approaching backup snapped me back, my hands moved quickly to my holsters. Tears welled in his eyes as my fingers wrapped themselves around the steel, the coldness searing them as if they were burned. Then his tears began to fall. My gun halfway cleared of the holster then. We didn't do anything. Show me your hands. My voice sounded as though it belonged to the dead. Any warmth it ever had nearly snuffed out dashed to a minute ember. But we didn't do anything. Your hands. Now. The approaching sirens were growing louder and my heart thudded in my ears, timing its beats between the blinking of my eyes. Thud. Darkness. Thud. Light. They began removing their hands from their pockets and I saw it. The glint of silver, the streaming tears, trembling lips, hyperventilating, he broke into full sobs, and I saw it all. The paths, then, my gun fully from its holster. One of two ways. This would end in only one of two ways. One of us had to fall. And then, miraculously, I saw him. A teenager, eyes running with unchecked tears, shoulders just beginning to broaden, muscles only just starting to thicken as he made his way towards manhood, as he tried to maneuver through the world, attempting to overcome the pitfalls strewn about, made to trip him up, to cause him to fall. All the traps set against him so he would not succeed. And in that moment, in the pause between action and inaction, he dropped the gun. 
It barely made a sound as it fell into the thick snow on the sidewalk. Silence. Then the world exploded into sound, back up on scene, and the three of them were on the ground, cuffed and then pulled roughly back to their feet. A veteran officer picked up the gun the boy had pulled from his pocket, turned it over with a slow whistle, and I could see from the way it rested in his palm that it was heavy, weighted down. The words Smith and Wesson emblazoned on the side. He caught my eye. Damn, this BB gun looks like our Glocks. I swallowed against the bile that rose in my throat. Wait, it's, it's a toy? Don't look like no toy, does it? He pulled this on you? I, yeah, not really. I, I don't know. He pulled it out of his pocket, so yeah, I guess so. And you didn't shoot his ass? Shook my head. No. <laughs> you better not tell nobody else that. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Dispatches. I'll be back in about two weeks with another story for all of you. But before I go, I did want to share the exciting news that Ann Thomas will be the featured storyteller for our 10th episode this season. Ann has been featured on The Moth, StoryCorps, and Risk, and she's even been published in the New York Times. She's pretty damn wonderful, and I couldn't be more thrilled to have her on the show. Until then, be well and know that stories are all around you. This episode was produced by Ian Enright, and the music was provided by Ryan Little.